Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. Let's just take a couple of quick polls. Be a little more informal today. So uh, if you have ever danced, like I mean like danced, raise your hand. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. If you have ever danced and made a fool of yourself, if you have ever danced and made a fool of yourself and alcohol was not involved, if you have, if you have danced and made a fool of yourself and alcohol was involved, well, bless the Lord. <laughs> How about that? Right then, we had folks looking across the room going, ooh. And we had other folks looking across the room saying, man, what if I missed? I recall I was, uh, I was at my 10th high school reunion, and it was back over, um, you know where the Marriott used to be off of 85 and Pleasant Hill? I don't know what it is now, but it used to be a Marriott. And um, I was on staff at a church over in that, that part of the county, and uh, I was a children's pastor. And, uh, and so we had an evangelist by the name of Jay Strack, who I've been friends with for forever. And um, Jay was speaking at our church that Sunday morning. And so my job was to greet Jay Sunday morning, have breakfast with him, get him to the church on time, do his thing, take him to the airport. And I had arranged for someone else to pick him up at the airport and get him checked in to the hotel because at that same hotel, my 10th high school uh, reunion was going on. And so uh, things got a little interesting at my 10th high school reunion. How many of you have ever danced to the song, You Know You Make Me Wanna Shout? You got, you, are you with me? Okay, so just kind of hang in there with me because some of y'all are thinking, oh dear God, what kind of church have I attended today? So just hang in there. Okay, so you make me wanna, what do you do? Shout. Okay, some of you are a little more excited about than others. Let's try that. And you know you make me wanna shout. Yeah, okay, you've done that, right? Well, my problem was uh, I grew up in the, in the season when Animal House was a movie to see, which you should not see, all right? I just want to make a disclaimer here, but I did. And my favorite part of that movie is when they, uh, they have gone on the road trip and Otis and his band are singing the song. And what does the guy scream out? Do you remember? Otis, my man. Well, the song is going on. You make me want to shout, give me a hand. You know, the whole deal, right? Well, the problem was my evangelist friend had come into the reunion knowing it was happening that night. And at that time, I was on my back with my hands and feet in the air doing the alligator to you make me want to shout. Are you with me? <laughs> Preacher tales. So let me just stop and say, this was before we had cell phones with, you know, cameras on them, which is a really good thing. But my evangelist friend decided on Sunday morning he would share that story and ask me to join him on stage and mimic where he saw me and how I was. 30 people got saved that day. <laughs> Otis, my man. All right, so let's jump into a topic that is near and dear to me, especially over the last few weeks. Today, we want to talk a little bit about letting your soul dance. You don't hear a lot of that, do you? I mean, you got to let the soul dance. 
many of us find ourselves in seasons where life is difficult, it's hard, it's frustrating. I mean, raising kids is not for the faint of heart. Having a healthy marriage over years is not easy. Finding relationships that aren't at war, aren't, it's just not hard to find. And then have you ever watched the news lately? I mean, seriously, when I watch the news, I am pretty sure the world is coming to a catastrophic end every day. Uh, Jenny likes to watch The Five, so we record it. It's on, on Fox. I'm not a big Fox News fan, but, but we watch The Five. And if you listen to them, basically, the world is coming to an end the first week of November. And, you know, I like what Andy Stanley said a couple weeks ago. He said, stop it. Stop it. If you're over 40, stop it. Stop teaching the children that the world's going to end if Hillary wins. You're scaring the children. But it is frightening no matter who wins, isn't it? I mean, seriously, did any of us think a year ago this is where we would be? And yet, what's going to happen is we're going to have a group of people over 40 vote based on, for the most part, based on every poll I've seen, we're going to vote on who we like least. And then... We're going to have an entirely new generation of voters that are going to say, I just don't care. And, and we're going to be faced with incredible challenges. But here's the good news. The God of all creation and the sustainer of all life still reigns. And no matter who is elected, it's not going to change what he does or how he does it. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who never changes, he is the one that's in charge, not the person we elect. And so I want to ask you today to get outside of your comfort zone and get outside of possibly your orthodoxy of religion and grasp this concept of what it would be like if your soul could dance. I have never seen anybody dance when they were miserable. Have you? I mean, I've, now I've seen people who miserably dance. But I have never seen somebody miserable dance unless you go to like your first middle school dance party when all the dudes are on one side and all the girls who are significantly more mature at that time on the other side and they are making fun of dudes on this side and then one dude is brave enough to go ask the prettiest little girl on the other side to dance and they do and he immediately regrets it. Just say it. But I think the Lord has created us that our soul might dance. That there comes this time that the soul has got to rise above what's going on in this world and it cannot stay in this weighted form. I, I believe the, the Lord built us and wired us with a soul that was designed to dance. I mean, to just tear it up. I mean, just get excited. Like if you're a ballroom dancer kind of person, okay. I mean, I don't really get that, but okay. You know, if you're like a clogger kind of dancer, that even makes less sense to me, but knock yourself out, that's cool. If you're a square dancer, I'd never have understood that, but that's great. But if you're one of those dancers that when the music comes on and the song you like and you just crank that bad boy up and you just go at it, I get that. Really? Because that's, that's when the soul is saying, man, let's do this. I, I don't know what happened somewhere in our faith system. I don't, know, I don't know in what generation it happened, but somewhere along the way, we decided that to live for Jesus and to walk with Jesus and to love Jesus 
We were not supposed to be happy people, but we were supposed to always be solemn people. And, and our voice goes down a notch when we speak of God. Have you ever noticed that? Like when the soul dances, the voice doesn't go deeper. When the soul dances, it goes with it. But we come together as faithful followers of Jesus. And sometimes in the middle of that, it says, Oh God, thou art holy. And I think God looks at it and says, Who are you? Why don't you just talk to me? I want your soul to dance. But I believe there's three things that allow our soul to dance, and I want us to chat about those today. Now, all the references today will be on the side screens, and they're inside the app in my message notes. I believe that when our soul doesn't dance, our soul is in a rut. If it's been a long time since you sensed your soul wanted to dance, if, it, if it's been a long time since when you've heard a song that you just wanted to break out and sing, I have been wearing out uh, Crowder's new song, uh, Devil Run, Devil Run. Oh, man, if you haven't listened to that, just crank it up where you're just ridiculous and just sing your guts out. I mean, it just lets your soul dance. I mean, just go at it. But I look at this and I think, how do we do this? How do we get to where deep down into the marrow of our bones, down deep in our soul, our soul could, could genuinely dance? It, it could be at joy. It could be at peace. We could move on. I believe the divine wants us to do this. I do not believe the divine looks at that and goes, oh, I believe he's so excited when the soul dances. Oh, my gosh, it's just such a beautiful thing. But the soul dances, watch this, when our minds and our hearts and our attitudes all collide together to make a beautiful system of peace. But don't miss that. Our mind, our heart, and our attitude all come together. I believe the first step in the soul dancing, to let your soul dance, is the renewing of your mind. Now, some of you are hanging out with people who are, are just, they're not helping you renew your mind. They're just dragging it down. But I believe there's a process that the scripture says that we're to feed and to focus our minds on a moment by moment basis. We're to never stop feeding the mind the things that will allow it to become renewed. The scripture talks about where to have a mind that is constantly renewed, that we never stop learning, that we're always open to what the Lord might have to say. Here's an interesting thought as I studied for this sermon, and that is this. Satan, if you're a follower of Jesus, Satan cannot control your mind. So there is, there is no, there's no excuse when you say, well, the devil made me do it. No, the devil may have tempted you to do it, but you chose to do it. He didn't. If you're a follower of Jesus, he cannot control your mind. Now, here's the one that some of you are going to struggle with. As a follower of Jesus, God will not control your mind because he wants your love for him to be so pure that you count on him to renew your mind. Now, you know what the difference of that is? The difference is I want to give you a gift because I love you or I have to give you a gift because it's my job. You see, the Lord God doesn't want to control your mind. He wants you to allow him to control your mind. 
And so what, what he's saying is you need to do something. I referred to a, uh, a sermon from one of my heroes, Bill Hybels, at Willow Creek Church in Chicago. And uh, on my four for Friday, this past Friday, I recommend a sermon. I encourage all of you to go find that four for Friday on the church site or my site and, and listen to Bill Hybels talk about this. And he's talking about Paul as he's on the boat to Rome, like we talked about a few weeks ago. And he says, you know, the soldiers finally say, tell you what we got to do. We all got to jump overboard. If you can swim, swim. If you can't swim, grab a plank of this ship and, and kick your way there. I believe what we find here is that the Lord has already promised those people through Paul that they're going to have a safe arrival, but you got to do your part. You got to grab a plank and kick. I believe when it comes to the renewing of the mind, we have to grasp as a follower of Jesus, Satan can't control it. And as a follower of Jesus, God won't control it. But as a follower of Jesus, that we really want our soul to dance, we will choose to let God renew our mind. I am confident, though, that God is far more concerned in changing our minds than changing our circumstances. Then why is it that we pray so much for God to change our circumstances? You see, if we were to have a renewed mind that was filled with the presence and the power and the understanding and the knowledge and the wisdom of Christ Jesus in this mind, our circumstances wouldn't control us, but our mind could direct us. You see, I believe there's three healthy choices that allow our soul to dance when we let our mind become renewed. I hope you've got pen, pencil, lipstick, or mascara, something to write this down. If you don't, they're in the notes inside the app, but these are worthy of, 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 of a tweet. All right, number one, feed your mind the truth. If you want to get to where your soul can dance, number one, feed your mind with truth. Now, let me just stop and say, reading a novel, while it may be good, isn't necessarily truth. Reading a devotion might be really good, but it may not necessarily be truth. But reading scripture, the living, breathing word of God that is sharp enough to cut through bone and marrow and to separate inside of us right and wrong. This is where we find truth. Listen to what Matthew said in chapter 4, verse 4. People need more than bread for life. They must feed on every word of God. Now, let me just stop and say, this is why I think it's such a big deal. That if you're a follower of Jesus, you should have time in God's word every single day. If you're a teaching a group, I'm talking about time in scripture, not preparing to teach something. This person right here, Chuck Allen up here right now, I need time with God that has nothing to do with sermon preparation or teaching a group. I need it because my mind is constantly renewed when the truth of God's word is poured into my life. This is why we put out those five-minute podcasts. This is why I encourage you. Ladies, she reads truth. Get it on your phone. Guys, he reads truth. Get it on your phone. Or if you don't want to do that, use version. Pick a reading plan. Set up a reminder. Every morning tell you, listen to the word, hear the word, respond to the word. I believe this is one of the ways we're going to make sure our minds are constantly renewed when we make sure that we are feeding our mind the truth of God's word. Number two, find your mind or free your mind from destructive thoughts. Free your mind from destructive thoughts. You know, it's been determined by studies, I mean, from several really reputable uh, firms that, that we predominantly, when we speak into our own life, it is predominantly negative. 
Dr. Brene Brown says that the human brain has a desperate need to bring closure on all things rapid fire, and typically it comes to a negative conclusion. We've got to learn to train and renew and focus our minds on things that are not destructive. We've got to free our head from destructive thoughts. Listen to what the scripture says in the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. Those who are dominated by their selfish nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Now, if I were to say to you, how many of you would agree that the Bible's very clear, don't get drunk, all right? How many of you would agree with me on that? All right, let me, let me make sure I got you. Keep your hands up. How many of you agree the Bible's clear, don't get drunk, okay? Now, I'm not going to ask you how many of you socially drink because I've seen how you voted on many of the elections around here, so I'm just going to let that go. But if indeed you don't believe that it is of God to be drunk, wait a minute. Scripture says if you're dominated by a sinful nature, you're going to think about sinful things. You know what the Scripture is saying to me and you? The Scripture is saying to us that, listen, just like being consumed and run by any addiction, sin will do the same thing to your mind because a sinful mind will think of sinful things. And a mind that is controlled by the Spirit of God, led by the Spirit of God, fed the truth of the Word of God, that mind will indeed be able to get rid of those destructive thoughts. Number three, get your mind focused on the right things, the good stuff. You remember that country music song that came out a few years ago where the, the husband, the younger husband shows up and uh, goes to the bar and he orders something, you know, and the bartender says, you can't get that here. All you can get is the good stuff. And he starts telling the story of the challenges with his wife and his wife passes away and how much he misses the wife and the little struggle you're going through with your family right now is a drop in the bucket. This, this is so good. It's the good stuff. Listen to what the scripture has. It says in Romans 8, 6, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life, and listen to this, and peace. You see, when our mind is at peace, we are taking a quantum leap toward allowing the soul to dance. We, we can do that when we get our minds focused on the right thing, the good stuff. But listen to what it says, for, the, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. Now, if you're thinking, okay, this is sexual sin, okay, that may be true, but it is sin at large. What Scripture is literally saying is everything the world offers you, if you set your mind on everything the world offers rather than what God offers, this is when we are living in the flesh. With me? And so what happens here is Scripture is so clear. Listen, folks, you need the best information to live the best life God wants you to live, and that is the truth of the Word of God. And so if you're one of those folks that says, you know, I just don't get it, I don't understand it, start with that podcast. But then turn around and start in the Gospel of John and just read. Now, I, I find people say, you know, Chuck, I don't have time to read. You know what I would say? Great, set five minutes to read. Okay, Chuck, I don't have five. Set three minutes to read. But decide you're going to make sure that the Word of God is feeding you constantly. This is why we provide that, that podcast. This is why I write a blog. This is why we encourage you, make sure you're feeding your mind truth. But there's three enemies that take, take hold of a person's thought process and take part of grabbing our mind. Sometimes it's our past. 
Our mind has such a hard time letting go of the past. And that has a lot to do with your personality and your temperament and how you're wired. But some of us can never, ever have a healthy relationship because we can't let go of the baggage of what we experienced in a past relationship. Some of us, I was with a couple this week, struggling mightily to hold a marriage together, been together 20 plus years. And at the end of the day, both of them, I had to look at them and say, okay, you guys have decided you're going to bring the luggage of every bad thing that's ever had to you into every new day. At what time do you just set the baggage outside and let the dumpster guy take it away? You see, we can't live in the past and have a renewed mind. Sometimes the past is after us. Sometimes it's Satan who just keeps tempting us and we surrender to evil thoughts. And you're saying, Chuck, you know, that's me. I wanna do good, I wanna do right. Well, Paul had an answer for that. So when you know this is happening, what we know is that the Lord Jesus promises you that he will give you a way out of that temptation. And when you choose Jesus, remember, this is a Jesus that scripture says is praying for you. So for you to choose to follow Satan's design and let your mind be surrendered to him means that you're t you are literally stepping over a praying Jesus to choose sin. You say, well, Chuck, no, it's not like that. Yes, it is. It's exactly like that. Our past, Satan, and the world's value system. I mean, it doesn't take long before we can look around here and realize this is a messed up place. The world has got its priorities so out of whack. And by the way, every study recently would say, those of you here that are followers of Jesus, those of you watching online that are followers of Jesus, most of us, the vast majority of us, there is no difference in how we think and how a world without Jesus thinks. And could I just say to you, if those studies are all true, we are in desperate need of our minds to be renewed through the power and the presence and the glory and the truth of God's word. We're in desperate need. We gotta let go of our past. We gotta look to our future. We've gotta trust that God's gonna give you a way out of temptation. And we have got to commit to letting the soul dance by the renewing of our mind. Now, when we marry a properly renewed mind to a heart filled with Jesus, now we're starting to fill in this three-way stop. Stop number one was we've got to have a renewing of the mind. Stop number two is we've got to have a brand new heart. While it's good to have a renewing of the mind, many of us need a heart transplant. Some of you need a bypass. Some of you need a whole new heart. Some of you, so you need a defibrillator where they say clear, you know, because it's just grown so slow. Some of you need blood pressure medication because it's so high. You know what I've learned? All of life is a matter of the heart. All of life is a matter of the heart. I believe every teaching Jesus has in the Gospels is a matter of the heart. Take giving. What does Jesus say about giving? Sacrifice, give. What does Jesus say about how we're to handle marriage and divorce and children. It's a matter of the heart. If you track every problem in this messed up world, it's going to come all the way back to somewhere, somehow, someday, there became a heart that was cold and dead and dry. And when you find a sin-filled, cold, dark, and dry heart, you've got evil. 
You say, well, why is there evil in the world, Chuck? Well, first of all, we have a very real Satan. We have very real demons. We have very real spiritual warfare. But you know where I think most of the evil happens in our life? Is when we let our hearts grow so cold toward the things of God and we become so critical about the things of God that our heart literally is drying up and it's becoming an ice cube and we need a new heart. We've got some fine, wonderful folks, but listen, God is not impressed with fine and wonderful. He wants your heart. When David led his people, Scripture said he led his people with a heart and then skillful hands. You know what that tells me? God needs the heart before he needs your hands. This isn't about how much stuff you do in and around and for the church. This is about the attitude with which you do it. This is not whether you give or not. This is the attitude with which you give. This is not about whether you go on a mission trip or not. It's about the attitude with which you go, your heart. It's all about the heart. Listen to what Matthew wrote in chapter 22, verse 36. He he gets this question, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Now, remember the law of Moses being the Torah, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the laws and all the other Old Testament laws and all the things that the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes have added onto it, 600 plus laws. Jesus replied in verse 37, you must love the, the Lord your God with all of your, repeat this with me, heart. Say it again, heart. Now watch this. Jesus did not say, you must love the Lord your God with all of his heart. He didn't say, love the Lord your God, Chuck, with all of Billy's heart. You see, I have a heart, you have a heart, and he's calling for us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. When I look at that, I think to myself, before we can begin to discuss the importance of a changed heart, let's understand what that means. When Scripture is talking about the heart, they are not ta- the Scripture is not talking about this muscle here, this organ, the thing that goes boom, 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 boom. It's talking about the seat of intellect. It talks about our conscience. It talks about our decision-making. When we talk about the heart, it's our emotions. It's the will of our individual. It's not just this thing. It is all of us. That's why we have to say when we're, when we're sharing Jesus with little boys and girls, we don't usually say, Jesus wants to come into your heart because if, if you're a concrete-thinking little for, a fourth grader, what are you thinking? He can't fit in there. We say we want Jesus to come into your life. But listen to me. When Jesus comes into your life and you mean it and you trust, you know what that says? Then he's got your heart. It's all of you. It's the heart. You see, watch this. The heart reflects the real you. You say, well, Chuck, listen, nobody knows the real you. Well, watch this. If we hang around with you long enough and we hear what you say, we watch how you act, we watch especially how you react, we get a pretty good idea what's going on in the heart. Now, some of us are better than others at hiding it. We serve more, we give more, we dress better, we do whatever, we play the part. And God looks at all that and says, I don't care about any of that junk. You see, here's the problem. I remember when it was the biggest deal that if you went to church, then you had to wear your best clothes. Now, let me just stop and say out of reverence, I think that's a beautiful thing. But I promise you, God doesn't care if you have an $800 suit on. He'd rather you be in here in shorts, flip-flops, and a wife beater and have a heart full of him. This is, not, this is why when I grew up in church, it was, but this is how you have to do communion. 
You can't call it communion. You have to call it large supper. When you do that, we all line up. We walk to the back. The pastor does like this. They come forward. It's a 30-minute production. It was never designed a production. God's no more impressed with that than he is if you ate two donuts this morning. Because, see, what the Lord has called us to do with communion is remember that Jesus shed his blood and his body was broken. You see, it's a matter of the heart. You say, well, Chuck, when I come here, I don't like the music we sing, so I sit outside while we do the music. Knock yourself out, but listen to me. God doesn't care if you can sing. God doesn't care if you like what we sing. God wants to know that you have a heart willing to sing Jesus. So if you don't want to sing here, just stand there and say, Jesus loves me this. Go for it. But don't sit out here like... Because I think God looks at our heart and says, come on, people. I sent my son for you to die for you, to be buried for you, to be raised from the dead for you, to sit by the right hand of God in heaven and wait for you. Let the soul dance. Get your heart excited. The heart would tell no lies. You see, the heart is most definitely a reflection of the real you. You know what Proverbs says in chapter 27, verse 19? As a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. Oh, my stars. You ever been around with somebody and uh, something came out of their mouth that just totally shocked you? You ever been there? I had this guy that uh, back in the day when I was in the construction business, I was putting in uh, uh, storm drain and shopping centers, and I had this guy that was a great backhoe operator, and he was a... Uh, he was kind of a bivocational primitive Baptist preacher. I mean, up in North Georgia, I mean, like hold the snakes, prophesy, scream and holler and end every sentence with ha. Ah! You know what I mean? Are you with me? Wouldn't y'all love if I did that one Sunday? It's all about the heart. Ha! <laughs> okay, maybe you wouldn't. Um, but so I, this guy is constantly telling me that my faith system is totally whacked out. Because I'm, I'm not speaking in tongues, I'm not running circles around the church, and I'm not handling snakes. And I'm thinking to myself, you are crazy as a bed bug, but you run a great backhoe. So one day, he thinks he's alone, and the backhoe's not on yet, so I climb up on the track, and I open the door, and I hear the most vile language coming out of this guy's mouth. And I said, hey, Chess. What's more important, handling snakes or sounding more like Jesus? I think that's true for some of us, isn't it? You see, Adrian Rogers said years ago, and he was so right, whatever is in this well is coming out of this bucket. Eventually, you cannot hide forever. What is in the well is coming out of the bucket. Listen to this. A true heart is also going to be judged by God. Let's go back up and take a look at the Matthew writes this in chapter 12, beginning of verse 33. He says, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes. Now watch this. You know who he's using that title with? The most religious people in Jerusalem. He says to them, you brood of snakes. He's saying to him, you're, you're, you're making laws that are not godly. You are creating systems that don't honor 
the Lord? You are, you, you are saying religion is the difference and you want to look good. And he goes on and says, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Remember, the heart reflects who you truly are. And could I also say, none of us in this room have the ability to judge somebody else's heart. Let that one sink in for a minute. Because I got to tell you, I think our human nature loves to judge other people's heart. Yeah, well, look at them. Mm-hmm. Well, look at them. Yeah. At least I'm not as bad as him. And as long as we keep saying that, you know what we're thinking? Wow, this heart is so evil. There's nothing Christ-like about that. The Bible says that we're to become a new creation. That when our heart changes, we have a new creation. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10 says, Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So if you want to know, why does Sugar Hill Church say, man, the, the Bible is a very big deal because your mind will be renewed when the, when the word of truth is spoken into your life daily. Why do we say Jesus is the biggest deal? You can't have a heart change without Jesus. There is no surgeon that can provide for you what Jesus can do. True heart change only comes from God. Back to the Proverbs in chapter 4, verse 23, the scripture says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. You want your soul to dance? Let your mind be renewed through the word of the truth found in God's word. You want your soul to dance? Add to that renewing mind a refreshed heart, maybe a brand new heart that only Jesus can give you. Now watch this in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The scripture says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. You know what that says? New heart, new person. New heart, new, the third part, new attitude. When our minds become renewed, when our hearts become refreshed, our attitudes become Christ-like. Now, look at this. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. You know what your attitude will do? Your attitude will make you or it will break you. It will heal you or it will hurt you. It will make friends or it will make enemies and you will be happy or you will be miserable and you pick your own attitude. And some of you, as I see walk through these halls, you know the attitude you've picked? Poor me. Chuck, you just don't know how bad it is. Some of the attitude you've picked is, I'll tell you one thing, that electric car gets that loud again, I'm out of here. Some of us picked the attitude when we came in and said, I cannot wait to come to church. And some of our attitudes, I'm just coming because she made me. But guess what? We get to pick the attitude. Your circumstances do not determine your attitude unless you allow it to. 
every morning when you wake up, God is waiting to take you and work through you and love through you and, and, and literally treat you like he, you are his very own child. He cannot wait. Attitude will make or break a church. It'll make or break a business, and it will make and break a marriage or a family. If your attitude goes south and you don't recognize it and do anything about it or get help with it, I'll promise you, crash and burn is right around the corner. But listen, we cannot change our past until we embrace our today so that our tomorrow can have the right attitude. You can't live in the right attitude if you're living in the past. So you say, well, what do I do with the sin of my past? Well, watch this. Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Come live in my life. Clean me up. Make me new. Give me the ability to make sure that in your power, my mind is renewed, my heart is refreshed, and my attitude is on you and you alone. Let me take on your attitude. You see, attitude is your choice. What does Philippians 2.5 say? You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You say, well, Chuck, that's impossible. You're right, but not when you walk with him. Not when your mind is filled with the word of truth. Not when your heart is refreshed with the presence of Jesus. Now our attitude can be, yeah, my circumstances are difficult, but we are going to get up, we're going to pull our britches on, and we're going to let the man of God stand up and the little boy sit down. We're going to allow the woman of God to stand up and the little girl sit down, and our attitude is going to be that of Christ Jesus. You picked. Chuck, that is hard. Man, it is, isn't it? I got done Thursday late afternoon with a couple of back-to-back counseling appointments, and when I got done, I thought, my goodness, could y'all make any worse choices? I mean, all the way home, I called Jenny, and and she said, what's wrong? And I was just, I just, I I just griping. It's like these people are just driving me bat crazy. I've told them what to do. I've asked them to do. They just won't do anything. And she said, why don't you tell them just get divorced and quit then? I said, well, I think I will. So I said, let me get off the phone and call him back. So I said, hey, listen, if you're not willing to work on this, pick a date, get divorced, and quit. You know what she said? That's not very pastoral. We have an attitude problem. Listen, let me give you a couple quick things here about your attitude. Number one, Start speaking, start speaking positive words. Start speaking positive words. I'm promising it'll change your attitude. You ever, you ever watch one of these shows like The Voice? And, and they're out there just singing their guts out, and there's four people there, and they're going to push the button, and their chair turns around as they pick them. I, I, I can't imagine how hard that is. Like, what if you just sang your guts out? You just killed it, and nobody turned around. Can you imagine how disheartening that must be? Can you imagine how, much, how painful that must be? You know what I think is more painful? When people who claim to be followers of Jesus look at somebody and criticize them, but they've never walked in their shoes, they've never done what they're doing, they've never, ever jumped out and tried to do that, but all they can do is find something wrong with them. I find this happen with preacher types a lot. I found that we find one person who said one thing that we disagree with and we just wear them out. Let me just stop and say, okay, if, you're, if you can't speak positive words, shut up. You're not helping the world. You're not making the world a better place. You say, well, we're called to call out truth. Okay, but truth always involves love. 
even if it's corrective, if it involves loves, not critical spirits. Number two, look for the good in every situation. Learn the joy of living a contented life. You know why we're in debt out of our eyeballs? We're not content. You know why we're miserable with an attitude? We can't have everything we want. Paul wrote in his letter to the Philippians in chapter 4, verse 12, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty, with plenty or with little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now watch this. Guys, pull up that last slide. I want you to get this. On this last slide, we've got a three-way stop sign. Yeah, there you go, guys. And on this three-way stop sign, this is what happens when we let the soul dance. When we decide to let the renewing of our mind come together and the refreshing of our heart come together and choosing a Christ-like right attitude come together, in that three-way stop sign, there is a collision that creates one thing. Are you ready? Peace. And when we're at peace, the soul can dance. And all of a sudden, our days are like, let's do this. Come on, we can do this. If I had any desire at all for the people of Sugar Hill Church, you know what it would be? That you could fall in love with Jesus and be so normal, it's ridiculous. That you didn't have to be some freak out there, but you could literally say, I have a renewing of the mind. I have the refreshing of my heart. I've chosen an attitude full of Jesus, and my soul is going to dance. But let me give you one warning. When your soul goes to dancing, religious people are going to be totally whacked out with you. And when they are, put a badge of honor on and say, thank you, Jesus, for letting my soul dance, and I am not wallowed in the middle of orthodoxy and religion. I am simply captivated and saturated with you and you alone. My friend, that's when the soul is going to dance. Could I get one amen? So let's pray. God, you are what lets the soul dance. Turn us loose. Wipe away our orthodoxy and our religion. Wipe away everything that keeps our minds from being renewed, from, from our attitudes being captivated by you, and from our heart being owned by you. God, I believe there are people in this room today that just want their soul to dance because they've never done it before. God, let them cry out to you, Jesus, I need you. Please forgive me. Come into my life. Save me. Thank you for dying for me and raising from the dead for me. Oh, my friend, if that's your prayer, just the, God says that the promise, that he'll hear you and answer you. I love the words of the song we sang earlier, Christ alone, cornerstone. God be our cornerstone that our soul might dance with a renewed mind, with a refreshed heart, with an attitude filled with nothing but you. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong. Oh, my stars, Lord, that's why you are God and we are not. And we love you for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.